When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you. How are you? Yes. 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 Yes, you know. Yes. Good. Yes. It's a video game podcast. We're sponsored. Yes. Yes. Every, every week by a sponsor pertaining yes. to the video game world. Is that right, Ben? Yes. Good. Good to know. I brought one this week for us. Yeah, you got the ad read there. I have. You know how we're like cutting edge we're on the forefront. We're always mm. hot on hot on the button, off the presses, on the on the hot hot button presses all the time with yes. the fresh news and and exclusive deals and stuff. We've got a fantastic sponsor this week. Um it's the Amstrad CPC, everyone. The Color Personal Computer. That's what oh. CPC stands for. Uh, it's, it's an 8-bit home computer compatible with games on both compact cassette and 3-inch floppy disks, um, such as uh, Paperboy, uh, 007 License to Kill, uh, Alex Higgins World Snooker. I love that one. I know, me too. And also Alex Higgins World Pool, too. I think Alex is trying to have it all. Alex, stop it. Stop it, please. Um, so, you know, we're, we're so excited by this. You can go to triplej.merp forward slash um, not a real URL to mm. uh, get 100% off an Amstrad CPC. Um, and uh, it, it's it's so nice of them to uh, to choose to be our sponsor this week. Thank you, Lord Sugar. Oh, that's his, isn't it? I suppose it is. Maybe maybe he doesn't own it anymore. Maybe, like, you know, portfolios change decades on, don't they? Yes. Um, Are they selling a mini, a micro console version yet? Oh, they could do, couldn't they? That would be fantastic. The mini would it, CPC. Would it be yeah, fantastic? Yeah, you could play, like, tiny versions of 007 License to Kill. Brilliant. I yeah. bet the original was really good. Yeah, me too. And it's In sorely all, all missed. It's 8-bit glory. Mm, in colour, though. Hey, yeah. As much as yellow is a colour. Yes. And nothing else. Um, that's not actually real, I'm afraid. What? Come on. There was. I thought there was. The Amstrad CPC was 
on our list of every video game console ranked from worst to best. No, no, it's not a real. It's not a real platform, is what I'm saying. Uh, that was a not, joke entry. It was a joke entry. It's not a real ad, but more importantly, it never existed. Why do? You, why does everyone? Hello. Why are you all writing in right now saying yes? It did. It didn't. What are you talking about? Stop it. Stop I, it. I did think that Lord Sugar sounded like an invented name. I know he's like something from Alice in Wonderland or something, isn't he? Lord, Lord Sugar. Sir Alan Sugar. Try again. Try again, Lizard Overlords. Yeah. That's you, not a real name. Did you know that Alan Sugar is an anagram of anal sugar? Now you do. Now we all do. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. You are. Uh, so that's not real, which is obviously devastating. And turns out a lot of people have pretend implanted memories mm-hmm. of their yeah. childhood and so on. They call it the sugar effect, don't they, on Reddit? Do they? Yeah, I think so. Wow, I'm learning a lot today. Mm. Uh, we are, of course, actually sponsored by our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. If you donate $1 per month, you get access to the podcast post where you can submit questions to this very podcast. We have other tiers available as well. You get access to Worst Games Ever a Day Early and some other stuff as well. Go check it out, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Before we move on to the first question, we need to decide where we're walking today. Yes, we do. Ben, where are we walking today? Ooh, sugar. Sugar, yeah. Do, 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 do. Oh, honey, honey. What kind of sugar? White sugar or brown sugar? Or caster sugar, which is just white sugar, basically. Uh, icing sugar, mm. uh, other kinds. I Granulated. I don't know. Okay. James can decide. Yeah, James. Look, editor's choice. Go go for whatever you like. What sugar? We do treat him, don't we? We do. Yeah. What sugar, James? Put it... Wow, look at it. Amazing. It yeah. Look at all that sugar. Who's got question one today? Jackaboose97. Thank you. Well, it's not Jackaboose. It's Jack Caboose. But smushed together. 97. Morning, Peter and Ben. As always, I trust you are keeping safe and well. My question to you is, what games have you played and found uh, and found with a perfect length? Not too short that you just wanted more or had to immediately uh, play again to scratch the itch it left, nor too long that you were just wishing it would be over, but sunken cost sets in and you have to finish it. For me, Shadow of the Colossus, while being quite short, was the perfect length for what it was without feeling tedious. Love to hear your thoughts and love your content. Big love. Lots of love there at the end. from So much love. Too much love, really. Yeah, arguably. Um, Thank you, Jack. Very kind words. Um, I definitely felt this way about um, the Halo games, certainly like Halo 1 and 3. I didn't play Halo 2 that much, so I can't comment specifically. I've played it a few times, but I don't really remember, but... Yeah, the the first and third Halo games were wonderful little packages. Um, fun while they lasted, but sort of when you get to the end, you're like, yeah, yeah, good. All right, I'll move on now. Um, and uh, another slightly older example uh, would be uh, Time Splitter's Future Perfect, I thought mm-hmm. was good. Uh, you get a fair bit out of that game, but I think when you reach the end, you're, you're pretty much done. I think, you know... There's obviously lots of fun things you can do on the side. You can go and play like the arcade mode and the challenges and the uh, the the like deathmatch stuff. Uh, but yeah, the story was just kind of what it needed to be. More recently, though, um, I thought Astro's Playroom for what it was was a good little size. I don't know, maybe maybe I would like to have played a little bit more of that. Actually, now I've said it, uh, thinking thinking about it now, perhaps I shouldn't have written that in my notes at all. I probably would have played slightly more, but it was. 
you know, it's a fairly simplistic game overall. And I think once you've uh, enjoyed its gimmicks and its features and the things it's built around, um, you know, there's there's a limit to, I guess, how much you can get out of that. I do, on balance, I probably could have carried on playing that a little bit, actually. But it, it was it was getting there. It was, uh, you know, they, they didn't miss the mark too badly. Um, mm. And the only other one I thought of was Miles Morales in terms of recent games. I thought that was, uh, again, because we've spent that much time in New York as uh, Peter Parker, um, the, I thought the Miles Morales game was, uh, yeah, also very well uh, designed in terms of duration. It wasn't bloated. It wasn't filled with map markers and extra things to do. Mm. Uh, the story was quite... Um, you know, clipped down to just what it needed to be. So, yeah, yeah, I think that was a a well-written and directed and uh, uh, well-lengthened story. Hmm. Mm. Nice. What are yours? Well, I, I've got one written down because mm-hmm. there was just one that sprung to mind immediately because in in my mind, the way I approach games and think about games when I'm done, I tend not to think, wow, that was the the perfect length but if i at no point think this game is dragging then then that ticks all the boxes for me right so if i finish a game and and or i'm halfway through say persona 5 and i and i'm despairing because they're recovering how personas work for like the sixth time <laughs> to a new party member then i start to think and don't get me wrong obviously i love persona 5 but i start to think my god Come on, move, let's move it along, people. I don't need to see this again. Yeah. Um, if I'm not thinking that when I'm finishing a game or even playing it, then then you know what? They probably did a good job with its duration and runtime. That's fine. But one in particular that I thought, wow, that was just a perfect bite-sized afternoon chunk of a game. Uh, it was it actually came after I watched a PlayStation Access video mm-hmm. about games that you can finish in one sitting. Right. And I was like, well, I could really, really go for one of those. That would be nice. And out of that, I got Oxenfree, which oh, yeah. I have spoken about on the podcast before. Fantastic indie game, sort of side-scroller, but it's it's more. there's more to it than that. It's not like, you know, you're jumping on Goomba's heads and stuff and go... That's the level-up noise, by the way. Right, I like it. Everyone knows it. And it's it's got a really intriguing story. It's a bit spooky and weird. And it's really, really very good. And when I finished it in that one sitting, about three or four hours after I started it, I thought I I felt so satisfied to have completed an entire video game and had a really enjoyable experience throughout uh, in one go. Yeah. And and it was just, yeah, it it was just perfect. It was perfect for what I wanted at the time. And that was just, just a great game in general so that's it that's that's a good one recommended i mean in practice i agree with you in that as long as a game doesn't drag i'm happy with its length i don't sit and think you know was that uh if if i leave wanting more i don't consider that to be a negative but only i only sort of went down that route because it was kind of in the question as well yeah Um, but yeah I'm, i'm inclined to agree for me the perfect length of a game is is just as long as it doesn't drag, that's fine. If I finish it and I'm like, that was great, I I wish there was even more of that, then uh, I, in a way that's a good thing for me. I'll, I'll go back and play it again or do all the extras or whatever. So that's uh, that's a plus. But uh, yeah, those were some that I thought were 
neither too short nor too long. Hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, from uh, from games that we have played in the past to uh, games that we are playing in the present, it's what? time. <laughs> what? Yes. What? What? That's the first word. It's time for what we play in. Ooh. It's what we play in time. Time to talk about the games what we have been playing. Peter, what have you been playing? Uh, I've played a few things this week. I've been all over this. Well, I've not been all over this week. I've. Uh, <laughs> you'll find out that I've not been all over at all. Nice. Uh, one of the things I've done is tried the new uh, update um, to Crash Bandicoot 4. Um, mm. It's about time. It's now available on PS5. There's a free up- upgrade, or on PS4 if you play it. If you've if you've already owned it, it will still sort of update itself to a certain extent. Of course, there's not as many features and differences on the PS4 version. I think they've just done a few minor quality of life touches. In fact, that might not be true. Maybe there isn't an update available on PS4. I'm just assuming that there is because I know they've done some things to the PS5 version that would work on PS4. So I'm just assuming they've done that, but maybe not. Uh, but in any case, I've played the uh, the PS4 um, uh, free, free upgrade. Uh, some people are having big issues with getting hold of it this week, I saw on the news. Um, it took days for some people to be able to download it, and Activision were putting out statements saying, "Oh, we're really sorry. We're trying to trying to get it fixed." But uh, I had no such issue, um, seemingly. So that was good. But uh, wow, that game's even better now. The loading times are better. They they're still probably too long for the way the game works, um, but it runs better. It looks better. It's prettier. Um, and uh, probably the the thing that I noticed the most was the adaptive triggers, the way that they work. I really love the way that games are using those. Um, to you know, to go back to talk about Astro's Playroom again, that was a, a really great showcase of uh, that new feature. And uh, Crash Four is uh, also you know making the best of it, doing a good job. So you've got things like. When you use the hook shot that Tawner uses to swing around the place, that's got a little little twang in your uh, in your triggers, and th- even things like just the rumbling of uh, like the vehicle. There's like a there's like a surfboardy thing that you can ride around on. Um, so there's all kinds of interesting stuff with those adaptive triggers. So I really enjoyed that, um, and it's been a, a long enough time since I played Crash Four that I was able to sort of really enjoy it again without thinking like, "Oh, I've been playing this for weeks now, and it's really hard." So uh, just sort of played the bits that I wanted to play rather than feeling like I need to get through this level and this one, and oh, it's getting harder, it's getting harder. So uh, that was that was fun. I did a little bit of uh, in my own time. I played a tiny bit of Crash Three just to make sure that. Um, what I wanted to do with my uh, live stream that I did on Wednesday uh, this week, uh, I wanted to make sure that that was somewhat doable, which it was in that I uh, played through um, all of pretty much all of Coco Bandicoot's levels in the Insane Trilogy of Crash Warped uh, without spinning. And I just wanted to kind of check that that worked. So I did that both in my free time and on the clock. Uh, the other thing that I did, though, this week... Because I'm never far from from Star Wars. Peter Austin is, you know, he's always thinking about the next Star Wars he can do. Um, on Monday, I remember, well, in fact, Sunday afternoon, I remembered that um, uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer was released on PS4 last year, tail end of last year. Mm. And at the time, I'd been meaning to get it and play it, and it just kind of, I forgot all about it. 
And then I can't remember what reminded me, but uh, on, on the weekend, I was like, oh, hell yeah. So I played some of that on Sunday night, played a bit more on Monday night as well. And just inadvertently, pretty much, I ended up getting the Platinum, which wow. was uh, pretty wild. Um, Look at you go. I know. Uh, and I'm not I'm not one for hunting Platinums, but uh, I just noticed that loads of trophies just kept popping as I was playing. And I was like, I wonder how many I've got left now. And uh, there was only like one or two left that are quite specific things. So I was like, oh, well, okay, I'll do I'll do it. I'll do it. Why not? Because um, it was just, it was right there. I mean, let's do like two little simple uh, tasks. So really enjoyed that. I mean, not necessarily the platinum uh, hunting, but uh, just playing that game. I never had, re- I never really had the pleasure of it because I never had an N64 when I was younger. Um, it became available for PC. I don't think straight away, but eventually. Uh, and I just never got around to playing it on PC. And uh, even my friends who did have N64s, and I used to go around and play uh n64 at their houses none of them owned that game so i just never ever really played it uh and uh so that was that was so much fun finally being able to sit down and play this game that is you know highly acclaimed really as far as even just as far as racing games go not you know never mind whether it's star wars or not so uh would highly highly recommend that game to anyone who wants a bit of just retro style racing fun it's quite arcadey whether you like Star Wars or not, it's just fun. It's like, um, you know, if you like Wipeout or the likes of the likes of that. So definitely check it out. It's uh, I believe it's backwards compatible on your PS5 as well. I had my PS4 plugged in, so I just played it on that. But um, so, uh, yeah, give it a go. Give it a go. Nice. And that one has Subpoena the Podcaster in. Right? It does have Subpoena the Podcaster. He's unlockable. It's got lots of really interesting, strange Star Wars characters unlockable. Uh, all these bizarre races. One of them is almost called. Um, oh my god, the name the name has escaped me now. What's the the guy who made Tesla? Uh, oh, Elon. Help, Elon Musk. Yeah, he's he's called like. E- oh, I can't remember what he's called now, but he's called like Elon Mus or something. Right, uh, and I think it's coincidental because I'm presuming he was called that way back in like the late '90s when Elon Musk wasn't really relevant he wasn't the pop culture icon he is today oh, but uh yeah there's a there's a pod there's a pod racer in that called like e- elon mass or something like that wow uh, which is kind of weird um give it a give it a try check out the <laughs> bizarre roster um what have you been playing ben i have been playing a little bit of Warzone mm-hmm. in my life yeah. uh two back-to-back victories don't even worry about it whoa and, uh, and then i was like can't improve on that deleted the whole game i didn't delete it i closed <laughs> it though i didn't play anymore that evening but that was um hey it's fun when you win and then it's just kind of tedious when you spend 99 percent of your time not winning but yeah. that is the nature of battle royales i suppose mm-hmm. um i also finished off remnant from the ashes the souls like that game does just kind of end it just it just ends okay and the last boss was nowhere near as challenging as some of the other bosses it makes you face earlier in the game um like i talked about last week there is just there's in many places it just feels like there's artificial difficulty where Mm -hmm. they just throw just an endless barrage of 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 uh, offense at you to the point where it's like this is this is absurd you know like what right. what do you want me to do about this and it, it it's doable uh, we we did it 
but it wasn't exactly fun. You didn't feel like you really accomplished anything when you when you did beat a boss like that. But uh, yeah, it fin- finished the game, and uh, it, it was just sort of there was some weird lore and dialogue, and then the credits rolled, and we were both just sort of sat there like, uh, oh, okay, right. Well, that was free on PlayStation Plus, but. As I tweeted out earlier in the week, it's still it's pretty good and it's good fun if you can play it in co-op. So if you can get uh, one or two friends together, I believe it's three-player co-op, and uh, the shooting's pretty good in it as well. I quite like the um, the combat itself, uh, but sometimes enemies can do that fun thing where they hit you even though you're miles away from them, or if they're a melee character, they will attack and then just rotate on the spot so they still make contact with you, even if you're dodging, which is, you know, really good. Oh. Uh, but uh, that's done. Tick that one off. I'm now trying to find my notes. Where are they? There we are. After finishing finishing Warzone... Yes. I started a multiplayer Minecraft world... Oh. ...with my Warzone buds... And oh, nice. we've played barely any, but it was really fun. A couple of them have never played Minecraft before, so hopefully... Wow. Now that everyone's been persuaded to buy it, we can all hop back in there. The only issue is that servers don't exist on the console version, and they've recently added on the PS4 version, ages after other platforms, Realms, which basically do exist as servers, but you have to pay a monthly fee to Ooh. use one. So flip that. What that does mean is that the multiplayer world we are playing in is saved locally on one person's console. So they have to be playing for us all to be able to play. Which right. is a bit limiting, but better than paying eight quid a month for yeah. for a realm. I know, it's silly like that, that, isn't it? Completely yeah, I don't fast. like that at all, but there yeah. we are. Uh, beyond that, played a bit of uh, Persona 4 Golden in bed, still enjoying that. And Persona 5 Strikers continues to be good when it's not playing six hours of dialogue and cutscene in a row. Yeah. And you're just sort of begging for some combat. But, uh, you know, that's just JRPGs, isn't it? I suppose so. Yeah, it's just kind of the way it goes. It comes, It's part and parcel. It is. Um, but that's what I've been playing. Wonderful. Uh, while you were talking about what you've been playing, I quickly pulled up Wikipedia. Uh, his name is Elon Mack. Oh. Uh, so that's, that's, I mean, there's... There's no behind. There's a behind the scenes section on his page that does not mention he's named after Elon Musk. So Good. I don't think he is. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's another racer called Toy Dampener, just as in oh. like a thing that dampens your toys. So did they just use a random generator? Yeah, it sounds this? like it, doesn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Well, it's time for question two, I suppose. I suppose so. It comes from Trevor Price. That's Trevor Price. Then then. Hi guys, do you think the myth of gaming being for children is still a thing? I have played games all my life and am now 28, a head chef of a successful restaurant, husband-to-be and a father. Ooh, Trevor. Mm, Trevor's got it all. Still, I find time to play games and it's my primary hobby. Thanks guys, much love. Your friendly neighbourhood cooker. Mm, Thank you, Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. Congratulations. On all of those things. On all those things, yeah. I don't think uh, that is still the stereotype of gaming. I think once upon a time it was very much uh, it's for like teens, like sort of dweeby high school teens. Now, I think people do think that gaming is not exclusively for adults, but, you know, the adults can play games too. 
But the, there's still a myth there in that there is a certain kind of adult now, a stereotypical gamer adult in people's heads, um, in the in the mind of people who... This, these are people who aren't informed and aren't really into video games themselves. It's like what my auntie probably thinks of like what a gamer is. She no longer thinks of a child, I don't think. She probably thinks of a young kind of, I don't know, early 20s perhaps person who maybe doesn't have great personal hygiene and uh, perhaps spends a lot of time in the dark. Um, you know, that's very much not true of all video gamers. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the myth has, has changed and has become something else personally. Uh, but it is, as I say, very much a myth. I I think it still exists to an extent. Right. If only because the roadblocks you and I have come up against career-wise, not in terms of career progression or anything, but having our jobs taken seriously, even when dealing with people who have reached out and wanted to work with us, the way we have sort of had to correct them in their description of what it is that we do, right? or, you know, their, their assumption that it's just it's just a hobby or something. And it's like, well, no, actually, it, it is a real job. And you emailed us. <laughs> so yeah. I don't really know what you're expecting here. And that's not to, you know, get anyone in trouble or anything. But I think that that just is emblematic of an assumption of a lot of people um, that this it's not something to be taken seriously. Maybe not the, the kid part so yeah. much anymore, as you said. But certainly there's still definitely uh, a a prevailing notion among a lot of people that it's just like it's something to be dismissed offhand. Yeah, I agree with that. Scorned. And I know it's slightly different because Peter and I do it professionally, covering video games and that kind of stuff. And a lot of people don't. And it's not as important to society as, say, a firefighter, for example, or Mm -hmm. a healthcare worker, etc. In fact, a lot of other jobs. But it is it is still a real job. And the fact that people will just look at it and go, Oh, so like, yeah, but what do you do? And it's like, no, that I do like this is this is a big enough games are a big enough deal for this to be a job. And they're like, yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. Um so yeah, I think as people who grew up without games continue to die off and people who <laughs> grow grew have grown up with games uh continue to get older that that myth is just going to continue to be altered and changed and and ultimately removed. But you look at the rise of of Twitch streaming and stuff, so many people over the past year have been able to either make supplemental income or even make that their entire job over the last 12 months or so, that there's going to be a radical shift again in how that myth adapts uh, to, to, to different people's lives. But it almost always comes from a place of ignorance. People who don't play games don't understand them. Uh, but those are just those are my personal experiences with it. A lot of people don't take it seriously, even if yeah. they don't think it's kids who exclusively kids who play it. You're right. It's always from a, an outsider perspective. I don't think there's anyone who's, for example, listening to this podcast, this video game podcast, who thinks that games are for children or that uh, you know video game journalism. I'm not saying we're journalists, but you know any kind of coverage of video gaming pundits uh, pundits. Uh, that that any of that kind of uh, uh, industry is not to be taken seriously. So it's, 
as is often the case with all forms of ignorance, it comes from people who are not sort of involved or um, educated in whatever that thing is. You don't have mm. to. Uh, you don't have to be involved in it as such, but you can at least find out what something is before you make a, a judgment on it. Um, and Absolutely. unfortunately, that's not what people do all the time. But no, what can no. you do? Not much. Nothing. Nothing. Can't do anything. Tell you what you can do. What? Reach, reach for the paper, which is across the. Oh, it you're is. right. Okay. Yeah. What? And then are you going to like show it to them and sort of explain to them why they're wrong and how they should change their opinions based I might on shuffle the it. information? Shuffle it right in their face, maybe aggressively. Okay, and why would yeah. you be shuffling it? Well, you know, like the people on the telly who talk about the things that have just happened in the past twenty-four hours. Oh yeah, um, the BBC twenty-four happenings. Yes, those people who sometimes talk about sometimes normal, but sometimes weird news. Oh. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's weird news time. Time for some very strange news. Peter, what weird video game news have you got this week? I must warn you, I've not proofread this article. I grabbed it moments before we hit the record button. But according to thegamer.com, Counter-Strike, uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive was accidentally removed from Steam. Oh. Um, I believe it was temporary, but the headline doesn't doesn't tell you that. It wants you to really click and go, what? It's gone forever. <laughs> um, little subtitle. Valve accidentally took down CSGO and many other games from its digital store after an apparent glitch struck Steam. So here we go. This is written by Sean Murray once again. Uh, he's moved into the world of writing articles for The Gamer. He, mm. he did uh, a previous episode's article too. Yeah, I recognise his name. If you were trying to download Counter-Strike Global Offensive on Steam early this morning, you were likely quite surprised to see the message, Oops, sorry. That's because CSGO was accidentally removed from Steam along with a bunch of other games in an apparent glitch over at Valve HQ. We don't have the full details of what happened, but Steam DB owner Pavel... Jundik, I think, noted a sudden... What's Steam DP? 
I don't know what that is. It's mm-hmm. a sort of Steam database website, I believe. Okay. So, the owner of that, no context given by this article, noted a sudden spike in games disappearing off the platform around 2am EST. Uh, included amongst the accidental takedowns were titles like Hellraiser Judgment, Lawless, Ghost in the Shell 2.0, Beastmaster, Black Desert Online's Gold Package, and two New Vegas expansions, Lonesome Road and Old World Blues. Oh dear. All these big games. And of course, CSGO was also taken down. Video cards managed to grab a a screenshot of Steam's most popular title, according to concurrent player counts, suddenly and inexplicably disappearing from the platform. Wow. Uh, That's videocards.com, which is a new site I've never heard of. Um, Whatever went wrong... It looks to have been only temporary. CSGO has since returned to Steam's storefront, and the nearly 800,000 players that were still in-game were unaffected by the glitch. Well, I'm glad to hear it, thegamer.com. Thank you. Thank you for that. How strange. It's a bit strange. It's one of the biggest games ever Mm -hmm. on Steam. I mean, the biggest game right now. Um, But uh, it's all okay, everyone. Don't panic. Thank God. But something other, some other weird thing is happening in the world, seemingly, because yeah. Ben has brought it along. I have. This is from PC Gamer and Natalie Clayton. GameStop Redditors are using their stock winnings to adopt gorillas. Oh, lovely. One charity reports over $77,000 in donations from Wall Street Bets, it says in the subtitle. GameStop's sudden surge created plenty of unexpected winners, but I don't think anyone was expecting endangered gorilla charities to come out on top of Reddit's absurd market antics. (laughs) Spotted by The Gamer, the last weekend has seen dozens of regulars on the Wall Street Bets subreddit turn their GameStop stock gains into donations to the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund. On Sunday, the Ape Charity reported that they'd received over $77,000 in donations in one day, prompting CEO Tara Stowinski to record a shout-out to the subreddit. Of course, this charitable turn has its roots in the deep, irony-poisoned memes of Reddit culture. The Wall Street Bets community's whole shtick is that they're dumb apes and gorillas in opposition to the supposed genius billionaires that you'd more readily associate with market trading. I thought it was going to be a, a Harambe thing. No, I no. did too when I read it the first time. I was like, this is clear. Anytime anyone talks about a gorilla on the internet, it's definitely Harambe. Or King Kong. Monkey. Or King, King Kong. Yeah, monk. Monkey. Monk. Monkey. I don't know how it's pronounced. It's Me only ever been either. written down. Monka. Monk. Even so, this is one quietly positive outcome of GameStop's latest latest stock surge, which has been steadily sitting above $250 for most of March. Gorillas aren't even the only beneficiary either. One Redditor bucked the trend by donating $75 towards the adoption of a peregrine falcon. Oh, lovely. Uh, So there we are. Here's hoping this latest development turns at least one of these projects into an unexpected sequel to We Bought a Zoo. The end. Oh. Got a peregrine falcon because in comparison to all those Wall Street boffins, we are just stupid, dumb peregrine falcons over yes. here. Stupid, highly intelligent birds of prey. Yeah. Incredible. This reminds me of my recent visit to Harambe's grave, a comment says here. A fitting tribute to internet memory. Is there really a grave for Harambe? Well, I, 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 
would guess it's not where he's buried, but maybe someone on the internet paid for a little <laughs> memorial for her. Probably. That's or a probably big memorial. There yeah. is also a comment here saying, yes, return to monkey. So there you go. <laughs> Look at Brilliant. that. Brilliant. The memes are alive and well. So there we are. Game Stonks um, are saving gorillas. They are. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It's good to yeah. see. Wonderful. Well, it's time to move on to another question. This is so if we have it's from uh, Richard Group or Richard Grupper. Grupper. It's the, the monkey meme. Groupier. Uh, group, groupier. Uh, hey, boys. The Tomb Raider and Sonic movies are okay. The upcoming Mortal Kombat looks promising, and Nolan North himself has good things to say about the Uncharted movie. Do you think that we are finally done with bad video game movies, or are they doomed to never live up to the source material? Thank you, Richard. I wonder whether those are two separate questions, and uh, they are potentially mutually exclusive. I think we could be done with bad video games. I mean, that's not to say there won't be more bad video uh, video game movies, I mean. Uh, it's mm. not to say there won't be more bad video game movies coming out in future, because let's not forget that Monster Hunter uh, came out and was not particularly like well-received, as far as I'm aware. It was sort of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other hand, uh, uh, Detective Pikachu was not mentioned in the question, but that's up there as well. I know it's mm-hmm. not a real like proper direct beat-for-beat uh, video game adaptation but it is essentially one of those i even sort of didn't mind rampage if you just go into it knowing it's essentially a rampage stupid kaiju movie like if you're you're aware yeah it's another monkey one um on top of that we saw that together didn't we we did i think yeah i think that might have been the last film we watched at the same time yeah probably flipping rampage with Dwayne in it Years ago. Oh, we saw, um, we watched Solo together. Was that before or after that? I, both of those films were not good and I can't remember <laughs> which order we watched them in. No, um, I'm not, I'm not sure. In any case, uh, I think that it definitely looks like we are going to be getting some decent video game movies at long last. Um, I mean, Rampage and Detective Pikachu were like some of the highest ranked ones in our list of ranked video game movies. So you you only need to look at the look at the data points to see that on average I think the the overall review scores of these uh video game adaptations has been going up, you know. Um all the recent ones are better than the older ones. Um mm. and then on top of that you've got the likes of um Little Nightmares and things like that being turned into series instead. Um, I know there's The Witcher as well. I think that's more really inspired by the books. But it's you know it, in this day and age, it's in, intrinsically linked with the game as well. Um, so if you if you go into um, video game based TV series as well, it's looking good. I think. However, uh, are they doomed to never live up to the source material? I think that's a separate question and. In some ways, yes, because video games are, of course, uh, a medium where, by definition, you have some agency, um, especially things where you can obviously change the narrative as you see fit. And uh, that's always going to be difficult to um, apply into movie form. 
Now, with some that are more linear, you know, like The Last of Us or something like that, and even Uncharted. I know it's not based off one of the specific games, but, uh, you know, take The Last of Us. That's easier to adapt uh, in a in terms of being true to the source material. But um, outside of that, you have to just temper expectations and perhaps just think to yourself more about, is this going to be true to the world that I know? Uh, from the games but not necessarily the narrative so it depends exactly what you mean by source material i would say uh, mm. but overall i think it's all it's all looking good i think it's a good uh outlook for the future there has certainly been an upward trend in the quality of video game movies and as you say i, I think games on a, a sort of as a tv series have fared much better and i think they just naturally translate to tv shows a lot easier than films yeah, because games are very rarely ninety minutes long, but they can be six hours long if you mm-hmm. do a six one-hour episode season. You know, and I don't think things are necessarily the status quo is going to be changed massively with Uncharted or Mortal Kombat. I have yet to watch or hear about a video game movie that's actually good like you know legitimately yeah you have to see this it's won awards it's reviewing well good i don't think that's happened i don't they're just, think they're just good for video game movies you know they're exactly. like relatively speaking they're not as dog plops as they used to be but that doesn't mean they're they're good necessarily um they're they're fun and if you're a fan of the source material there's there's going to be something there for you, but I don't think there's there's ever really going to be much more to it than that. You look at take the Uncharted film, for example, which has been seemingly bastardized over the you know for the uh, in their efforts to to squeeze it into a you know t- two hour runtime or what have you. Yeah, we've got a young Drake, which is fine. Because that did happen in the games briefly, but not quite, mm. you know, he's a little bit older. It's not what you think of, is it, when you think of Uncharted? No, it's not. And there was also that interview where Tom Holland, who is notoriously very honest, and I do like that about Tom Holland, but he mm. basically kind of sandbagged the film a little bit. He was talking about his performance and how he spent a lot, lot of time worrying about his action movie star posturing and poses and looking cool and stuff. And how he wasn't sure if that translated well and how he wouldn't do it again if he right. if he was asked to. Which is concerning because Nathan Drake is not an action hero. He's sort of an everyman who is quipping constantly. He's more of a Han Solo type than he is yeah. a Rambo or a Schwarzenegger, for example. He's always sort of desperately clinging on to the thing that's falling away rather than yeah. like blowing things up on purpose or posing in front of it yeah Yeah. he's more likely to be caught in the explosion than he is to be walking away from it in slow motion yeah Uh, so you know obviously we haven't seen it yet we don't know if it's going to be any good but that's the kind of stuff that happens when you've got to make a multi-million dollar you know a a film that costs tens maybe hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever um out of a video game they need to smooth off the edges and make it as mainstream and appeal to as many people as possible and you inherently lose a lot of what made the game special by doing that and it's just part of the game a tv show not as expensive as a movie and also they have more time to do stuff with 
so they can actually explore a lot of the stuff that makes makes a game or the source material good whereas with a film they got to pack all that in in an hour and a half i don't i'm not confident it's they're ever going to do it properly or well so tv shows is the way to go and it's not just a case of um, runtime in terms of, you know, games are hours long and not 90 minutes long. Therefore, they they suit TV series. But even within that, the way that na- the narrative of a typical game that you might translate into a movie would go would, the, would be that it, it's broken down into objectives. And, you know, you do things bit by bit. It's not like, okay, this is a heist movie and we are going to steal the diamond and that's what we're doing for the next 90 minutes slash the next, you know, 18 hours in this video game. Mm. That's not how it works in a lot of video games that you might want to translate. You would, uh, you know, we need to reach this place. Oh, well, we're here now, but like, oh, the people we were meeting on here, where are they? Oh, we've got to follow these tracks. Okay, we'll follow these tracks. Oh, on the way there, we get ambushed by a group of zombies. Oh, we're going to have to hole up here. Oh, no, you've been bitten by this uh, dog and you, we need to find some medical supplies before we can move on. So it's all... You could break those things down into individual episodes very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, games being objective-based like that and having lots of different moments about them. Um, whereas, yeah, uh, movies, you can't really... I mean, you might manage to cram some of those things into a 90-minute runtime, run but not... Uh, yeah, it, it's. I think the episodic structure uh, just helps in terms of uh, using some of the relatively like minor moments from a video game um as like a whole interesting arc or episode a part of an arc i suppose Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely we will just have to see how bad they are or good who knows it's got tom holland in it and marky mark yes and his funky bunch so i wonder if uh if it's successful but tom holland is like I don't want to do anymore. Yeah. Will they just? They'll have to recast old Drake now, like an older one. Who it should have just been Mark Wahlberg, which was the plan. Yeah. In one of the many iterations of this film. Yeah. Um. And will they then have to? Will they want to make him look just kind of like Nathan Drake from the games looks as an adult, or will they want to make him look like older Tom Holland? Like, how do you how do you cast that? <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Are we going to get a remake of the first Uncharted game, but it's got Tom Holland, Nathan Drake in it? Yeah. I bloody hope not. Mm. I'm just looking forward to seeing Mark Wahlberg be Sully. Yeah. Oh, hey, kid. <laughs> God, yeah. Goddamn El Dorado, kid. The first game is a prime example of uh, a game that wouldn't translate beat for beat into a, a film because no. there's a lot of just gunplay in that one. Yeah, just a lot hiding of behind rocks beige and, and a lot of green. A lot but of also green. A lot of sort of grey, samey dungeon uh, exploration. Yeah. You know, temple exploration that kind of just all looks the same. Whereas I think as they went along, they became more movie-ish as they yes. as they developed blockbuster yeah. adventure. Yeah. Peter, it's time to move on. It is. To something gigantic that we're actually doing before 50 minutes into the podcast for the first time in what feels like maybe Whoa. a year. So Steady on. We're going a bit crazy today. It's time for the big discussion. Big discussion. 
Big discussion time. Time for the big discussion. This week's big discussion comes courtesy of Philip Reed, and thank goodness Philip asked about this. Also, we know that one. We know Philip. We Reed. do know that one. Um, it's a thank goodness someone asked about this because, of course, this news came out just after we recorded last week's podcast. Yeah. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it. What do you think of the Bethesda merger with Microsoft? Both companies have a history of making dot, 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 less than ideal decisions, but they're definitely big players. Do you think this will give Microsoft an edge over Sony? Do you think this will encourage Bethesda to release games in better launch states? Hmm. I have a lot of opinions about this. I mean, I've got one major opinion about this, which is that in trying to clear up exactly what the exclusivity deal will be, Phil Spencer has just remained kind of not that clear about it. This was my big frustration with it because a lot of places reported definitively, Pushquare included, where it's like, I don't know how much clearer it's going to get. No more more Bethesda games on PlayStation. And if you listen to what he said, he still definitely left a large amount of wiggle room there. Yeah, I mean, so even... So I've got an article here just because I wanted the quote written down from somewhere and I knew Mm. it would be in almost all the articles. So I've just pulled one up at random that had the quote. But the headline of this is, Phil Spencer says future Bethesda games will be exclusive to platforms where Game Pass exists. Now that is not what Phil Spencer said. They've put quotes around the words platforms where Game Pass exists, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be that all future Bethesda games will be exclusive to Game Pass. That is literally not what he said. And in the quote that they have included in this article, Phil Spencer says... Obviously, I can't sit here and say every Bethesda game is an Xbox exclusive because we know that's not true. There's contractual obligations we're going to see through. We have games that exist on other platforms. We're going to go and support those games on the platforms they're on. There's communities of players. We love those communities and we'll continue to invest in them. And even in the future, there might be either contractual things or legacy on different platforms that will go do. He continues... But if you're an Xbox consumer, the thing I want you to know is this is about delivering great exclusive games for you on uh, that ship on platforms where Game Pass exists. And that's our goal. That's why we're doing this. That's the root of this partnership. So we don't we don't have an answer. And, you know, this isn't me getting uh, getting mad about this whole thing because I'm a PlayStation user and I'm mad that my games my Bethesda games aren't going to be available anymore because that's not what I'm mad about because that's not what we've been told. I want to know one way or the other uh, and then I can just choose to be mad about that or not. Um, and I to be honest, genuinely, if, he just doesn't know. He doesn't like they, know. They, they, nobody knows yet what, what they're going to do and they are just dancing around it, sort of pointing more and more in the direction of, uh, well, at the very least, all the games are going to be on Game Pass. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, well, I think we knew that, but what about other platforms? Well, there's going to be... We're going to deliver great exclusive games that ship on platforms where Game Pass exists. Okay, brilliant. That still doesn't really, <laughs> really clear things up. We're going to keep supporting the games that we've already released on previous consoles. Yeah, no, we, we thought... We didn't think you were just going to abandon those, Phil. Don't yeah. worry about that. We want... We want to know what's happening with Elder Scrolls, Fallout, uh, Doom, Prey, Starfield, Dishonored. Yeah. So, yes, it is still, it's still, it's not as ambiguous, but it's still quite ambiguous. There's wiggle room there. Uh, I still, as I have said before on this podcast, firmly believe that game, their ultimate goal 
with Game Pass is to get it on as many things as possible. TVs, mm. even other consoles. That's their game. They've invested so much in it. That's what they want. They want Netflix for games and they want everyone to be able to buy it. I don't think walking away from, just talking about the PS4, a platform with over 100 million users and no longer selling them games that they have previously had access to is A, going to go down well, and B, going to make much business sense at all, especially if they can't access Game Pass. Those people are unlikely to then want to purchase another console to play those games. It just seems like if that is the way they're leaning, that seems bonkers to me like really crazy i totally agree and i think that's exactly why they are tiptoeing around this for two reasons i think number one they're saying these games will be available on platforms with game pass which might literally be that in their head they're thinking which will include the ps5 one day perhaps if we're you know if things go well so they don't want to say it's not going to be available on playstation and also they want to tiptoe around it in that it, yeah, it won't go down well if they literally came out. So if the answer, if the ultimate decision is actually that, for example, Fallout is never going to be available on PlayStation ever again, we've decided. Mm. I don't think they really want to say that right now because they just know that it's going to frustrate a lot of people. Um, and you know, fair's fair. Like the 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 purchase was okayed, and in that sense, I think look good on good on Microsoft for making for making this merger because it was. A good financial move, probably. I mean, what do I know? We'll see how it goes. But <laughs> I can see that it could be quite lucrative for them. Mm. Um, so I'm not going to be too mad if it turns out that some stuff will never be available on PlayStation ever again. Um, but not least because I think that the other thing that's worth bearing in mind here is that it's not just that these things are going to be exclusive to Xbox consoles. It It's also including PC, which... A lot of PlayStation users probably have anyway. I mean, they might not have a crazy high-end PC, but you'll at least be able to play the likes of a new Fallout game or a new Elder Scrolls game on your home computer, perhaps on some lower settings, perhaps on higher settings if you just happen to have a decent system anyway. So it's not it's not even going to exclude that many people from playing uh you know doom or whatever they'll just have to play it in the other room to the one that they would normally play it on if it was available on on ps5 so Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know exactly how i feel about this and to what extent i think uh microsoft are going to benefit from it yeah and i've i've been observing a lot of the discourse about this over the past week and lots of people rightly point out that all of sony uh, sony's sony studios were also bought but there's a, it's, this is not that. Sony did not buy a publisher, almost all of whom's games have been on other platforms for nearly two decades now. Yeah. If Microsoft doesn't release The Elder Scrolls or Fallout or Doom on PlayStation going forwards, it's not only going to be money left on the table, but it's also going to be a deeply, deeply unpopular decision. Just, at, I mean, they had this before. A few years ago, they, they had one year's exclusivity with the second Tomb Raider game. Yeah. And that went down so poorly, so poorly. And it wouldn't have gone so bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, PlayStation has that exclusivity on Final Fantasy VII Remake. That will eventually come. It happened with Fall Guys as well. This stuff happens. But the difference is that those were either one-offs or the first in a series. 
Microsoft bought the exclusivity for a sequel, and that that's kind of, that went down appropriately as kind of a dick move. Mm, and yeah. they have publicly said that it was a bad decision, which again lends credence to our thoughts that they probably won't go through with keeping certain games off uh, other other hardware. So, with that in mind. I wouldn't be surprised if existing franchises continue to appear on Sony systems, but then, you know, that still works for them because they get those sales, but also it gives PlayStation owners pause for thought. They see uh, The Elder Scrolls 6 for 70 quid, and then everyone on Xbox gets it as part of their Game Pass subscription for like £7 a month or whatever, however much it is. And they look over there and think, wow, why am I paying 70 quid for this when I could get it on Game Pass? But yeah. just completely excluding them, I don't think makes a great deal of sense. So I wouldn't be surprised if existing franchises continue to appear on Sony systems with things like Times DLC exclusivity on Game Pass and Xbox, and then moving towards new IP developed with Microsoft as the owners of Bethesda mm. are then exclusive to platforms where Game Pass exists. So maybe even Starfield, for example, as a new IP yeah. might be exclusive to Game Pass. Um, but I think... Again, it'll just it'll go down so poorly if they just say you're not getting Fallout anymore. It's like, yeah. But we've been buying Fallout on PlayStation since 2007. Really, you're not gonna. That's it. That's the end. Yeah. And if it doesn't go that way, and Microsoft do say all these games, all these Bethesda games, you're not getting them on any other platforms anymore. Just where Game Pass exists, or just on Xbox for this argument. Mm. Sony then need to react somehow. And I don't know whether that's by making acquisitions of their own, though they obviously don't have nearly the money that Microsoft does. No. Or if it's by making deals with Microsoft to get these games on their platform somehow, or even just Game Pass. But then that creates further headaches because Game Pass coming to PlayStation would be, again, great value for anyone who subscribes to it. But PlayStation would need some sort of exclusive version of Game Pass that doesn't have... That yeah. only has sort of Microsoft exclusives on it because if if they have a service on their available on their system where you pay a lump sum every month and you get access to all these third party games and then Sony are also trying to sell you the third party games as well, mm-hmm. then no one's going to buy them anymore. So they would need sort of a streamlined version with just say the Bethesda stuff, just Halo, all that kind of all that kind of stuff. So this is huge for Microsoft, and it's huge for Xbox owners as well. Yeah. But I'd be hesitant to cheer this on because not only has a multi-billion dollar company gotten even bigger, but they've now potentially taken away a load of games from a massive audience who could previously play them. Yeah. It's it's business and, and they can do what they want. It's what they paid for. But we'll just have to see what happens because... As I said, there's still ambiguity in what Phil Spencer said in that yeah. live stream last week. Yeah, I totally agree in terms of the yeah, it, it it's a big it's a big thing for Xbox owners and it's easy for them to say, Oh, and you know, you can't complain about this because as you say, uh Sony have all their own studios now that they've uh, acquired and uh but it, it's it is different. It's if uh it, it's about not making sequels exclusive um mm. that is that is entirely the difference no one's mad no no playstation owner is mad that they can't play the next halo game on the playstation 
You know, no one's going to be cross about that because it it's never been an option. But I, lots of them would be mad if um, they they couldn't play Elder Scrolls Six, for example. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely, uh, it's it's one to watch. And uh, I is. I'm inclined to think that all this ambiguity is is around not not hacking a lot of people off and perhaps maybe even not wanting to say these games won't be available on PlayStation. Uh, instead, they will be va- available on... Uh, where Game Pass where, exists. Where Game Pass exists, which <laughs> might one day be PlayStation. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Absolutely. And to uh, quickly return to Philip's question there, because that's that was sort of just an excuse for us to talk about this whole yeah. situation. But... Do you think this will give Microsoft an edge over Sony? Absolutely. If if we fast forward five years, where mm. uh, Microsoft's recently acquired studios are all churning out games and Bethesda has settled in and is hopefully releasing games regularly as well, that's going to be great for Microsoft. Yeah. And um, that will give them an edge just because they have that spending power. They can They can buy their way to victory in that sense. And that's so, always been our, our point with the PlayStation versus Xbox thing, when people ask us, what should I get? Generally, our answer is, look, like, hardware-wise, they're roughly the same. You, you Basically, it's going to come down to exclusives. Mm. And, yeah, if in five years' time there are a load of new Bethesda uh, releases exclusive to Xbox, um, for argument's sake, then, yeah, absolutely, that's going to that's gonna shift the scales in some way. Might not tip it over for some people, or it might do for others. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think this will encourage Bethesda to release games in better launch states? They have said that they were largely going to be hands-off and just let Bethesda do their own thing, Mm. which is promising because, you know, Microsoft hasn't had the best time with uh, Rare, for example, and and some other studios too. But those were, you know, that was early days. And, uh, And there's a very good chance that they will just leave Bethesda to be pretty much autonomous apart from making decisions regarding games pass and exclusivity and uh and that kind of stuff Uh, additionally something i think they also said was that legally they weren't allowed to make any kind of business plans until the deal was done so that's another reason why this this statement is probably still pretty ambiguous because again they just they just don't know what Mm. they're gonna do but looking at it logically and the points that we've talked about here i can't i can't imagine I would be very surprised and obviously a little bit disappointed um, if all the games and franchises that have existed on PlayStation for the past two decades suddenly weren't available anymore. Yeah. And uh, I, to the you know the way of getting around that is either by just releasing them or by putting Game Pass on PlayStation. And I think those those are the two avenues that is that are most likely in this situation. I certainly think they're the most sensible, um, but. Uh... Yeah, maybe we're just we're just we're just but hurt Sony fans though. That's See, what that's we are. it. See, that's the thing. That's probably what it. Honestly, I think Bethesda was massively overpaid for, and they've been on the on the decline for the past decade in terms I mean, of they quality have. That's of releases. The other thing. But that, that's that's just me. So it's worth bearing in mind. They, I mean, it's it's easy to. I mean, my first thoughts when I think of Bethesda are uh, the Fallout games, Elder Scrolls, mm-hmm. maybe Doom. Um, Doom's you know doing doing well enough if you like Doom, but yeah, certainly Fallout, not a great recent uh, history. Um, Elder Scrolls hasn't they haven't released one; they've just released the same one for the past decade. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's that's not you know 
great, but I suppose you have to consider that you know there's things like Prey and uh, you know whatever whatever new uh, IPs are going to be coming out of uh, such studios too. Yep. So Wolfenstein Youngblood yeah. was abysmal as well. Of course, so yeah. and I finished it and I hated every every yeah. goddamn minute of it. But yeah. yeah, I think that that's that's a default. You know, the discourse on the internet there's a default knee jerk reaction there of just like, well, you're PlayStation fanboys, so of course you're going to say that. And yeah. yeah, PlayStation is definitely the platform I prefer to play games on. And of course, I'm disappointed in the fact that potentially I could lose access to a dozen franchises that I have up until now been able to play. Why would why would I be happy about that? Mm. But at the same time, I'm not a huge Doom fan. Um, yeah. You know, it's been so long since Elder Scrolls, I can't even look at Skyrim anymore. Uh, I'm, I, I never got into Prey. I just don't... I didn't like the new Prey at all. I like the old one. I just don't like... It's not going to be any huge loss for me personally, but, it, you know, any time that consumers or players in this instance lose access to a massive library of games, that's not good for them. You know, of course that's sad. That sucks. Yeah. And and hopefully it won't come to that. And this this ambiguous yet somehow interpreted by a lot of news outlets as definitive statement yeah. by Phil Spencer is uh, is yeah. It's just gonna we're just gonna have to watch what what the hell happens next and how Sony reacts. Nintendo they're unfazed. They're in their own own lane, moisturized, yeah. flourishing. You know they don't well, need they're, this. They're friends with Microsoft anyway. We might see some crazy. Bethesda Nintendo crossover one day. Mm-hmm. Hey, put put um flip. I don't know uh, the Wolfenstein characters in Smash Bros. Do <laughs> Bj Blazkowicz. Yeah, put Bj in in uh, Smash Bros. Just That'd be great. Ripping Mario in half with his yeah. massive arms. Yeah, well, something like that. The other thing is, uh, in terms of being a sad, uh, unhappy Sony boy at this <laughs> news, uh, yeah. I'm a card carrying member in the Ida 360 because I made the move when I thought the PS3 was too expensive, and I thought, hey, I like Halo. Condemned looks good. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over. So I'm able to say, you know, kind of what makes me happy and what makes me sad without it being reactionary because I'm such a big PlayStation fan. Wow. Um, Thank goodness you're here, Peter. I know. To provide that... uh, Because you're not allowed. No. That's the rule. I'm barred. I've only been talking about games for, God, 12 years now. Yeah. Not... No opinion from this guy. The thing is, though... From that logic, I'm I'm the only one allowed. There is precedent for this as well. EA Play, which is that subscription service you can get that came out quite a while ago, and you pay a monthly fee... And you get access to a certain amount of EA titles. You also get um, reduced, whatever the hell, you know, uh, price drops and stuff. Sales is the word yeah. I'm looking for. Jesus. <laughs> and Sony just said, no, uh, no, we're not having that. We're not having that. You're not having that on our platform, thank you, because we already charge people for PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Microsoft said, yes, it is now part of Game Pass. And uh, it has since come to PlayStation. Sony relented in the end. Sony didn't like cross crossplay because of other platforms they have since relented uh my, um minecraft of course owned by microsoft and having recently played it on console you if you want to this was when i was looking into the realm stuff but like there's a huge thing where you we have to sign in with a uh, microsoft account yeah if you want right. to do certain things and that inherently it says microsoft account you open it up it makes you create an xbox 
uh, X. What, what, what's the online service for Xbox called? Just Xbox Is it Live. Still called Xbox Live. Yeah. An Xbox Live ID or gamer tag. It's called. It's a gamer tag, isn't it? That's the username on yeah. Xbox. Yeah. They they make you create a gamer tag. So this there's a precedent for this stuff. It's possible. Sony will allow it if there's enough pressure and. it's not worth $7.5 billion, but $7.5 billion worth of Bethesda IP suddenly disappearing is probably a pretty big motivator for making a deal. So we will see, but I don't think it's as doom and gloom as as a lot of outlets are reporting on. (laughs) Doom and gloom, I like it. Thank you, you're welcome. Doom. Well, there we are. There's a discussion. Hopefully we, we made some people feel a little bit better about it. I have no doubt that we also made people very angry about it. Because a lot of people are sick of hearing about whether or not these games are coming to certain platforms. And we are too. But I'm not just going to sit back after he said where Game Pass exists and say, yep, that's it. That's the statement. Because it's not. That's not what he said. So we will see what happens. Peter, where can people find us? Uh, We are Team Triple Jump wherever you look, under your bed, in your wardrobe, and also over on YouTube and Twitch, youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump. It's where we stream, and of course YouTube is also where we put our videos out. Um, If you want to watch us on Twitch and be a subscriber, uh, as one of the benefits with your Amazon Prime that you might already have, you can get a Twitch sub with that. It won't cost you anything extra, so just uh, go check that out and can just subscribe to us for no extra cost on top of your normal Amazon Prime fee. Uh, when we're streaming, Lord Brotovich, Mads Didactyl and Trowling Badger are modding and looking after the chat. I feel like I'm going to cough. I've got a little tickle, but Ooh. I'll just keep going. Okay. And uh, we'll see how it, see what happens. Place your bets. Uh, we've got social media, twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Um, Luke Eldon looks after Facebook. Thank you, Luke. Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump is where you can look at various tiers um, which will allow you to support us and get all kinds of little uh, tasty rewards such Mm. as seeing worst games ever early, asking questions on this podcast. Um, We do a little chat on Discord once a month uh, and we've got Discord which is bit.ly forward slash Team Triple Jump. That's a little uh, direct link there. It's modded by Jack and Joe. Thank you, Jack and Joe. The podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, is available in audio form at play dot, uh, play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. The website is triplej.mup. Um, and uh, if you go to triplej.mup forward slash vods, that's where our uh, uh, live stream vods get uploaded onto a separate YouTube channel. Pat puts together little weekly highlight reels they're very good um and we've got a new-ish shop it's been there for a while now but that's triplejumpshop.com and you can follow at triplejumpshop on twitter for all the latest updates Mm. absolutely you can follow peter on instagram and twitter at that peter austin myself just on twitter at confused underscore dude we do lists every tuesday and thursday streams every monday thursday and friday thursday being the joint stream blaze it on youtube monday and friday being the solo streams on twitch worst games ever is fortnightly friday for patrons of a certain tier sunday for everyone else the podcast is every saturday and we do shows one every other week or thereabouts Please leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. Thank you very much. This week, it's an episode of Worst Games Ever. It is a Worst Games Ever week. If you're a patron of a certain tier, you would have got it on Friday. Everybody else gets it on Sunday. 
We hope you enjoy it. We've also been streaming this week in aid of Solace Women's Aid, a fantastic London-based charity. This is in light of recent events in London uh, with Sarah Everard and all of the absolutely abhorrent stuff going on there. We've been very humbled by a lot of brave women coming forward on social media and speaking out about their personal experiences absolutely with harassment and abuse and uh, we felt that it was the right thing to do to stream this week in aid of that charity you can go to triplejud.mup forward slash swa and continue to donate if you would like to and all that money will be going directly uh, to solace women's aid so thank you everyone for your for your you've already been extremely generous as of one stream and i'm assuming you will continue to be extremely generous so thank you so much for that yeah At time of recording we've only done one but i'm sure we uh made a lovely amount of money this week for charity in all three streams so thank you everyone who donated absolutely um the other thing to uh mention is of course that we've got some uh job ads now over on the website if you go to triplejo.mup there's a careers tab up there um we are looking for a full-time in-house newcastle-based video editor and a new presenter to work alongside ben and i also in-house of course newcastle full-time all that stuff. So all the details are there if you want to apply. Um, we would love to hear from you. So please do get in touch. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from everyone, just to make it clear. It's it's early days in terms of that job listing being up and just having a scan through the, uh, the email account with everyone's wonderful applications in there. There is a huge skew of male to female. So we would yes. encourage anyone of all genders and however you choose to identify yourself to apply. We want to hear from everyone. Um, so please do apply if you if you want to have a go at working with us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that leaves just, just enough time in this time-limited podcast to mention today's sponsor again. It's the Amstrad CPC. That's the Color Personal Computer. Uh, it's an 8-bit home computer system compatible with games on both compact cassette and 3-inch floppy disks. Um, and uh, it's available not anymore. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, that's yeah. courtesy of Sir Lord King Alan Sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the king honey, of, honey. King of sugars. So, uh, yeah, was he the... What's he called now? Is it the Honey Monster? Yeah. No. Uh because you can't call him no, he was, Sugar Lord anymore. He was always called Honey Monster. The cereal used to be called Sugar Linears, didn't it? And now it's called... Is it still called Sugar Linears or is it called... No, now it's called Honey... Honey Monsters? Uh, no. What is it called? It's just cereal. I think it's still Linears, actually. It's just that they got rid of the sugar because it doesn't sound healthy. So it's, so it's called like called Honey... Linears? That can't Honey be. Monster... No, no. Honey Monster Linears now. They got rid oh, of the yeah, sugar. Oh, yeah. Honey Monster... Yeah, Honey Monster Linears. Oh, Okay. There they are. Can't believe we saw that big, frightening, yellow, fluffy man and thought, delicious cereal, that. That's not, yeah. that's not frightening. Him. Mm, smells of piss. He's, delicious. He's not scary at all. Yeah. Uh, Choco, honey. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the... Wow. I am just looking at the Google image results now. I need to get your reaction to this before we say goodbye. It's very important. Here's, Sugar linears are box. little linears of wheat dressed in little honey jackets. Well, how we about go. this one? Party oh. linears with honey goodness. Sugar <laughs> wow. linears with balls of crunchy moringu. Moringu. Oh, that's as my favourite kind of goo. He's dressed as a royal guard. He is. He's got the big fluffy 
uh, helmet on. Do you think that's just an extension of his head that he's dyed black? I think so, Because it's all yeah. fluffy. Yeah, there's bone so. under there. Yeah, definitely. I don't like it. Anyway, we're going to go now. Thank you so much for listening slash watching. We will catch you next time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.